Welcome to Startup Stories, where we go behind the scenes of some of the most interesting and innovative tech startups in the world. Each episode will bring you in-depth interviews with entrepreneurs and business leaders, sharing their personal stories on success, failure, and everything in between. So whether you're an entrepreneur yourself or someone that's just generally interested in the world of startups, then Startup Stories is the perfect place for you to gain insight and inspiration into some of the most exciting players in the game. So sit back, relax, and join us on a journey of Startup Stories. Hi, Philip. Welcome to the Startup Stories podcast. Great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Glad to hear it. Now, for the audience, could you give them a brief introduction into who you are? Of course, yeah. I'm Philip. I'm one of the co-founders of Femically, basically a communication solution for healthcare. And yeah, I'm a medical doctor. So before I started the company, I studied medicine, also finished that. But then I was so annoyed by all the processes that we have in German hospitals that I decided to fund my own company together with a with a friend. And that's what we what we did. And that's what family is today. Thank you. So what I'd like to do, I'd like to run it right back to your, your childhood and your earliest memories to really get to understand you know, why you think the way you do, the way you operate and uh, everything in between. So when you think back to your earliest memory, what comes to mind? When I was in kindergarten, I didn't have many friends, actually. I was actually already bullied in kindergarten. Nevertheless, I had a very happy childhood because my, my parents were very supportive, very loving, very caring. And I had like uh, three little uh, brothers and sisters. So um, we always had... I always had them to play with and yeah that's basically my earliest childhood but then I went to to school and um, there I I made my friends like in, in, in primary school I made my first friends and everything changed from there on but uh, I remember that already kindergarten was a little rough. Where did you grow up initially was it in Germany or? Yeah I grew up in Germany in a little village near Frankfurt like 80 kilometers from Frankfurt. Okay. When you were growing up, did either of your parents have a particularly big influence on you? Yeah, of course. So my dad, he was always, uh, always working. Uh, basically, even you could say he was a workaholic, like he worked a lot, had his own company together with his brothers as well. So um, that was, of course, uh, a role model for me then later. And my mother, she was this stay-at-home mom and she took care of us like very very passionately so she like devoted all of her time to us and like was trying to protect us from everything but let us make our own experiences as well so she wasn't like not what we call a helicopter mom in Germany so she wasn't like hovering over us all the time but she gave us a lot of freedom so that for us was I think for me those those two extremes like one being that one of the parents being there like all the time being very supportive and then my my dad who was also supportive and everything but always working rarely there he managed to bring us to bed every evening but yeah probably both of them had a huge uh, influence on on me so like kind of a very traditional household then would you say yeah definitely yeah so how would you have described yourself as a child growing up i would say i was a quite a silent kid for a long time. So I was very introverted, but that somehow changed. 
And it wasn't, I was never the brave one, actually. So I never, like, especially when we were playing outside and everything, I wasn't the one pushing the limits, actually. But my little brothers, they were, like, trying everything out. They were jumping from the highest, uh, the highest trees and everything. And then, of course, I wanted to do it, too. So I was always, like, following them a little bit more as a child. And, um, of course, but what I did, I did... I, I took care of them, like with my brothers and sisters. Whenever something bad happened or something, I was always like trying to protect them as well, trying to support them with everything. And this was always my my thing, like being there for my brothers and sisters. Yeah, basically, I would say that's the most important character traits for me as a kid. What was your first ever job? My first ever job. That's a tough one. I think I worked uh, in my father's company and I did some mixture of internship and work. So I was in the, uh, so they had a, f uh, a foundry at that time. So it was really hard work, like um, making the sand form and forms, like where you could put in the, the iron, the hot iron into, to, um, yeah, as a foundry machine. So basically, I think this was the first job. I must have, must have been 15 or something. What did that teach you? It basically taught me what real labor is like, what real work is like, what I do, what most of us do um, every day on a, on a computer. And it's just a different kind of work. Like this, like a real, it taught me that there's so many jobs out there where you actually have to put in your your force your 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 whole body and not just your mind to work so that was a very interesting experience because before that of course i was also i was reading a lot and i was like doing a lot of stuff for school but like this really work with my hands i haven't done so much before so that was really a learning experience for me there mm -hmm. now i'm quite intrigued about your entrepreneurial journey of course and uh you know, you've been the co-founder of Famedly since 2018. Has entrepreneurship always been in your DNA or was it something that you stumbled across later? Well, I guess it's difficult to say because, of course, so I come, the, the company, I told you my dad, he was working in his own company, he owned his own company together with his brothers. And this company had been in our family or my family owned this uh, company since 1790 so like over 200 years so i guess we oh, wow. kind of have that in our dna but then i took a completely different route i went to go studying because i didn't want to have anything to do with machines and everything the stuff that my dad's company is doing they're building machines so i didn't want to have anything to do with that and i was pretty convinced that i'm going to be a researcher at some point at some research facility started to study medicine but then during the, the studies, I kind of realized mm, the processes and the hierarchies and everything you have in the hospital, it's probably not really for me. And then I started to think about what can I do? Like, and I realized probably it's in my nature to have my own business or have my, be my own boss and um, actually try to change something in the world for the better by by having my own project my own business and i guess so that the circle like closed itself probably and i had to understand that 
it is in my DNA. I, I, I was thought like since I was 16 or 17, no, that's not for me. And then 10 years, around 10 years later, I had to like um, realize or like be honest to myself and say, okay, probably it is in my DNA. And um, so I started to, to build my own company from there. Can you think of a pivotal moment in your life that made you the person that you are today? Probably I have to go back to my childhood again because it's something that I really remember very vividly is in primary school. It was second class, I think. I was so fed up with people bullying me that I really I beat up basically the whole classroom. <laughs> so and after that, they kind of accepted me. <laughs> so um, I think that was a very pivotal moment for me to see, hey, you have to stand up for yourself. Sometimes you have to show your strengths and everything. So I think that was very, very influential for me, that moment. Yeah, probably that's a good example. Of course, uh, afterwards came other moments, friends in, that I met in school, or like actually that first moment where we actually founded the company and saw, hey, this could work and everything. So of course, there were a lot of moments that changed me or made me who I was. But I think that's probably the first moment that I actually remember that made me the person that I, I am today. Yeah, that's a huge moment, even though it's from, you know, one of your earliest memories. But that's that's a huge moment. It lives by the example of saying that nobody else is going to save you except yourself. And that's exactly what you did there. And obviously that could be applied into the business entrepreneur world for sure. So, yeah, really interesting. All right. So, family, I'd love to dive into a little bit about the company weren't we through the career path just before that that led you before before you founded Famidly so I see that you had quite a lot of uh, work before that experiences so weren't we through that career path so we basically started a company out of um, like right after university so I, I studied medicine together with my co-founder and what we did right before was we were studying for our final exams and we were like sitting together in the library, um, learning together. And then we all we always had lunch together. We were talking about what is actually annoying us about the, the healthcare system in Germany. And we were thinking about how to change it. And we had a couple of other ideas that we were thinking about. But then in the end of the studies, you have to do one year of uh, work experience in, in the hospital actually. And I went to, to Moscow for four months, did one part there. I went to Buenos Aires, did uh, a part of the year there. And then I went to Berlin, did part of uh, the year there and realized in the end, okay, the problems are pretty similar all over the world. And you need to, to digitize um, the healthcare system basically everywhere. That kind of gave me the last push to say, okay, let's try it. Let's do it. And then also I was talking with Niklas, my co-founder, and we were saying we have to do it now or otherwise we'll be in a job where we get paid very well as a doctor and probably we won't do it ever again. So that made us do it in the end. So now you've started this company, Famidly, in, in 2018. Where was you when you decided, like, I've got this idea and what gave you the confidence to believe that you could turn this idea into a reality? Because many people have ideas, but just most of them do not action it. Yeah, so what we did is actually an interesting story. We, we were in Frankfurt 
uh, where we studied and we were saying, okay, let's try to get some funding um, from some government funding for that. And in Frankfurt, we didn't manage to get any funding. So we said, okay, let's go to Berlin. Berlin is a startup capital, so very naive. And we came here and we said, okay, it was in, I think it was in summer 2018. And we said, okay, let's spend half a year until the end of 2018. And if we see, if we see a path, how it can be done, then we'll keep, keep going. And so we managed, so we came to Berlin, we managed to get government funding here. And then we said, okay, let's, the government funding is for half a year. If we have, after this, we still have the perspective to actually found a company, make it work then we'll keep doing it. And so we kind of set ourselves milestones, milestone after milestone, and we all achieved those little milestones. So after funding the company, actually we thought, okay, this can work. Like, because we had the, the milestone of getting the money to, to fund the company, having our first uh, customer, that was like the, the next milestone. And then we managed to, to do this and kept going. And that's basically what we always do still. Like the next milestone is going to be our next funding round, right? So we always have this feeling, okay, if, if we don't achieve the milestone, we'll have to stop. Uh, but we always uh, manage to get all the milestones done. So we're still here. We're still doing it. And with every milestone you achieve, of course, your confidence increases that you actually can make this work and can make it work uh, on a bigger scale even. And your co-founder as you said you started your career basically together right how important do you think it is to your success having a co-founder like the one you have i think it's extremely important i i couldn't have done it without him i couldn't keep going without him because we're just a a, a great team we like he can do stuff that i cannot do i can do stuff that he cannot do and there were a lot of moments um, during the, the journey so far where like one of us was already thinking about giving up, you know, and then the other one had to, to help them up and like encourage them to keep going. So it was really kind of a partnership you want in a founder's uh, team. So I'm super happy that I have him and I think it's this, the other way around the same way. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. I mean, I've, I think I've talked about this on a previous episode as well. Whenever I talk to founders of their own company that don't have a co-founder, they said, I wish I had someone besides me just to, to lean on, to communicate things out, get the negative thoughts out when you're in that moment. It's priceless, right? To have yeah. that kind of partner. Yeah, Definitely. You need to have some friend, at least if you're not, if you don't have a co-founder, you need someone in the company. I don't know how people do it alone. I, I really don't know. Yeah. And even, I think, again, I've said this before, the, even the ones that do do it alone, usually hire someone to be their right-hand person, effectively. Yes, they might be paid a really high salary, but they're basically in it from the beginning and their right-hand person. So if you don't have a co-founder, that is obviously the next best thing to do. Yeah, I totally agree. So you started this, uh, this, this family then, and uh, what were the unexpected challenges that you faced when starting a startup that perhaps, that perhaps you did not expect? I guess how hard sales is. I think that was really, we didn't really expect that. So because it just takes like B2B sale, enterprise sales, 
is really hard. It's really exhausting and um, a lot of things don't work. You, you think like if somebody says to you, yeah, we're going to do this together with you, the project, and you actually assume that they're going to push through with it, but they won't. They just like, they basically, they just didn't want to tell you no. So I guess for, for me personally, the biggest challenge was and still is like doing the, the sales, obviously, we're becoming quite good at this because we're growing our turnovers. But for me, this was really unexpected how hard it actually is and how much perseverance you have to bring, how much effort you have to put into it, how much endurance you need to keep pushing those deals forward. That for me was actually something that I didn't think would be that hard. Yeah. Uh, I have to, again, completely agree with you on that one. Um, sales is, is in every single part of our lives, even in the non-professional side of things. And uh, unfortunately, it's crucial. So, yeah, very valid point there. When you're building your team out, you know, you're f almost five years now. How many employees are you now? We are 36 at the moment. Okay. And... What challenges have you found with building the team to where it is now? I think uh, the biggest challenges are if you grow, like um, if your team grows, you have to establish processes. And we were growing faster than our team than we were like implementing processes. So we had, especially in the last end of last year, beginning of this year, we had a huge mess. Like nobody, we were so many people and nobody really knew what to do. And of course the mood was getting worse and worse and we needed to change something and we needed to implement processes and we stopped hiring people and were focusing on um, establishing these, these processes. And this was really, I mean, everybody tells you, like if you scale a company, you have to have those processes, you have to have them in place before you grow actually and you just cannot hire so many people and then expect it to work everybody tells you that uh, but then you're in the situation where you are hiring and you are onboarding people and you think like okay it's not working fast enough i have to bring in more people and uh, you find yourself in this situation where you did exactly <laughs> the wrong thing where every what everybody told you before and you didn't realize while you were doing it, it's actually happening right as right now to us. That was something that was kind of a challenge, but I think we overcame it now very good in the last six months. Mood is increasing again, productivity is increasing again, but that was a that was really a challenge, like accepting at first that we kind of did the same mistake that everybody told us about, that everybody warned us about. And we had made this mistake, like accepting that and then doing something about it was like a very, was a, was a challenge for us, I think. But we kind of, we managed to do it. And also, I mean, the fact you've been going, you know, startups, I can't remember the stat, it's a crazy stat, like something like 90% of startups don't make it out the past the first year or two or three years, whatever it may be. So congratulations already surpassing that. What would you put your nearly five years of success down to? Well... I think that's that's not so easy to answer. I think, of course, dedication is always important. Like you have to dedicate a lot of your time, a lot of your energy into the startup. So it's not going to work alone. Then, of course, 
something that also everybody tells you, but it's true, is you have to hire the right people. You have to find the right people to work with. You have to integrate them into a team. You have to, yeah, like form a team, like make a team out of individuals, out of the right individuals. And the last thing, of course, is I think is you have to have a little bit of luck as well. Of course. You can work as hard as you want. You can put in the, the right people, but a little bit of luck you need in the end. And like you shouldn't be too depressed or too um, desperate if, if you're not going to make it. Maybe you're just lacking this little bit of luck. So that's something that I always also tell other founders, right? It's just part of the equation. You cannot take it out of it. A little bit of luck needs to be there. Of course, if the other things are not there, if you're like, if you're not putting in the effort if, and you're not putting in the right people, then it's not going to work either. But you also need this little bit of luck. Agreed. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is the harder you work, the luckier you get, meaning you, you fall upon lucky opportunities because you're working so hard. So that kind of correlates with the, what you said at the beginning, your determination with the business, which I have to commend you for. You talked about one of the things you have to get right is hiring the right people. So set the scene for me, because you're absolutely right. It's so crucial. In fact, probably the most crucial thing is getting the right people in the business. So let's set the scene when you're perhaps hiring. What is in particular, besides the skills that you expect them to have that you're hiring for, what is it you're looking for in their character that makes you think, you know what, you're a family employee, definitely. So what's really important for us as a company is um, that you're open-minded. Like we have a, like open-minded in, in different uh, meanings, right? Open-minded through new forms of work. We have a remote first culture, open in new forms of living. We have a lot of people of the LGBTQ uh, community working at Family, so you cannot have any problem with this. You have to be open to new technologies. We're trying out a lot of stuff with uh, uh, different technologies. You have to be, yeah, I think being open-minded is very, very important to, um, to all of us. And um, another thing that's, that's important is um, some kind of passion for healthcare, right? We work in healthcare and um, this needs to be important uh, to a family employee as well. And nearly all of the, or I think mostly all of uh, family employees have had some experience with the, the weird processes and the weird uh, workflows we have in healthcare, uh, especially like receiving faxes from, from hospitals or having to bring their results from one doctor to the other on paper because they cannot send it to each other. And so nearly all of our employees have made those um, experiences and are trying to or, or want to change something about that. And so that's also a very important factor to have that intrinsic motivation to change something in the healthcare sector. You mentioned earlier, I want to run it back slightly. You mentioned earlier about the importance of having your co-founder, your partner, because there were times where each of you have probably felt like giving up, which was kind of correlated with my next question. I was going to ask you, what would you say has been the hardest times since growing your startup? And I want to try and connect that to when you felt like giving up. Why did you feel like giving up and what were the hardest times that you faced? For me personally, it was like 
quite early on when our first projects were failing and failing one after the other because the, our technology was just so bad in the beginning. It wasn't really working. So customers were really super unhappy. And um, we like, I didn't really think that we were going to make it where that we're going to have the capabilities to improve the product as much that actually somebody would like it. And then my, my, my co-founder had like this confidence because he's also like, into this technology a lot more than I am. And so he was really that he was really giving me the confidence that we're actually able to pull it off, to get from this project phase where like everything was like, we were running from one bug to the other, fixing one bug to the other. Like that was everything we did. And um, so I really thought at that point, okay, we're not, never gonna have a product that we're gonna able, be able to sell. Like, and this was really, really, really frustrating for me. And I was really thinking about giving up and just like, let it be like, and there, that was the time where he pulled me through and said, oh, see, we're gonna make it. We're gonna improve the product. We needed this feedback from the market. It was important. And now we know so much more. We shouldn't give up now. And maybe on the other hand, uh, I remember one moment very, very well where a competitor of ours got a huge investment. And uh, we were like, this was the time when my co-founder was actually thinking about uh, giving up and I had to give him the confidence. Just like, yeah, money isn't everything. We can still pull it off. We have a lot of uh, other factors that make us set for success. And um, so, yeah, you know, that was two, two examples where I was trying to, was I, where I was willing to give up or he was willing to give up. And th in those situations, actually, we pulled our, uh, each other out of the, um, the misery, so to say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, grateful that you have both of each other. And uh, can you imagine if you'd, uh, you had have given up when you did now, considering what you've built now? So yeah, thank God you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> cool. No, so that's a great story. You know? Talk me about the biggest highlight of your career so far with Famidly then. What's been the biggest highlight? The first funding round where I remember because we were sitting in this, in this office, it's really fancy office with a view on Potsdamer Platz in, in Berlin with the huge glass windows. And we were looking at this, like we were drinking uh, champagne together with the uh, notary and um, uh, had this like first investment and that was for us I think a really a huge highlight to see hey somebody just believes enough in us to to give us so much money uh, for the next uh, steps of the company and that was really a, a highlight for me as a founder which keeps me going every day is the positive feedback that we get from customers when they say hey this really makes our daily life easier uh, this really helps us to to communicate better in the team. And um, those are the things that keep me running every day. But a, a real highlight as a founder, I was this, I think was this first uh, funding round because it was like, it could have been out of a movie, right? And that was uh, definitely something that I enjoyed uh, personally very much. Yeah, I can only imagine what a feeling. I've had other guests that also said their first funding round. I guess, I mean, you can, tell me if it's any different but I guess it's just like it's confidence that someone else believes your product will work and yeah. that's 
believe so much that they're willing to give you lots of money for it. So uh, it's just a relief off your shoulders as well, I imagine. Definitely. Yeah, I can, I can definitely say that too. It's just, it's a sign of, I don't know, it's just sometimes you need this confirmation from, from the outside. Sometimes you can be as self-sufficient as you want somebody believing so much in you that they give you, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of euros. It's just, uh, gives you a, another perspective on your own uh, work and your own success. Yeah. Incredible. Was that funding round recently or was that a little while ago? No, that, the first funding round was in 2020 and we had the last uh, funding round then last year, 2022. So we had two so far. Ah, okay. Brilliant. Cool. All right. So, you know, fast forward to today, what are the long-term goals and ambitions for Famedly? How far do you want to take it? So I think what's, what's really important to us is from product perspective, um, because at the moment we have a communication solution, but we want a really a process optimization tool in the end. And that's something to really help doctors save time, nurses save time during their daily work life. We are already doing this, but we are still um, very more driven by data protection regulations. And we want to make that switch over to really process optimization, really um, relieving the daily life of doctors, nurses, um, therapists. So that's on the product perspective, really the ambition that we have. And I think from a company point of view, internationalization is something that we're looking at. Uh, so going to other markets um, is really something that I personally want to do with this uh, company before maybe selling it in a couple of years. But for now, it's really going to other countries, developing the product portfolio, increasing the turnover. My, my goal, like my dream would be to at least um, get over the 10 million uh, yearly revenue. That would be something, a goal that I have for the next couple of years. Yeah, basically, I think that's, that's it. So commercially, internationalization and um, hitting the 10 million in revenue yearly and on the um, product side, uh, optimization, like becoming from a, or going from a communication tool to a, a process optimization tool um, are the, yeah, like let's call it medium term goals. Brilliant goals. What is going to be the key to get you from where you are now to there? I think one thing or the thing that we're focusing on at the moment is like really getting marketing and sales to work more reliably. We're still depending on too many single customers there. So we need to make that broad, like build a broader customer base. And that's on that side, very important. And what I think on the uh, product side of things, we need to be become a little bit more efficient. We're trying out a lot of stuff, which is great, but I think we need to to have a a clearer path, um, a more stable roadmap that doesn't change so much, and just getting um, a little bit in or things in order on the product side, so that we can plan better on the on the product side, and then on the sales and marketing side, like really, really having reliable sales targets, sales income, because at the moment we're relying too much on single customers, uh, single big deals that come in. And we just want to put this on, on a, a greater basis. 
And from a, a personal standpoint, why do you consistently, every single day, do what you do, regardless of how you feel? I think, so for me, it's two things. First, I want to really change healthcare. I think there's so much potential to make the, the healthcare system better. So what motivates me, so I studied medicine myself, and I think being a doctor is one of the most beautiful jobs you can have in the world, right? You're helping people get uh, well again. And I think it's one of the most beautiful things you can do in the world. But the whole hierarchies, the whole processes around it are really making this daily life not so much fun for a lot of people. And I want to help give them the fun back, like really concentrate on what they're, what they're actually what they're actually doing, taking care of people, of sick people. That's what they do, right? And they want to do more of that and less of the whole uh, documentation stuff and what they have to do. And I want to help with giving them the, the purpose back, giving them the fun back, because I hear it so much that people are not really happy with being a doctor. That's what drives me intrinsically um, every day. And then, of course, uh, the second factor is I have uh, 36 employees in the company. So it's 36 lives that rely on a family supplying them their income, right? And so that's something that's also, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a burden, but it's a task for me. It's something that gives me purpose as well to also take care of those uh, people, right? Maybe tying back to where we started with my brothers and sisters. So where I was always taking care of them as a child also, maybe that's something that I kind of project now on the people that work at Family. Yes, definitely. I agree. So last question then. I always like this one. So let's just say, you know, there's someone here that's uh, listening and uh, they've got a business idea. They really want to action it and turn it into reality. What's one bit of solid advice that you'd give them to make sure that they at least get off to a good start? Just do it. So it's really that easy. Just just start. You can think about it a lot if you want. You can talk about it a lot if you want, but you actually just have to start. That's the hardest part. Like the first thing is to just start doing it actually. And then you will realize your idea wasn't that good. You will have to adjust it a little bit here and there when you talk with people. But the thing is you have to start and then you have to keep going. So it sounds so simple, but that's also what everybody tells you when you talk with them, right? Oh, that's so brave to do it and uh, to found your own company and everything. But it isn't. You just have to do it, right? And I know it sounds like it sounds so easy to just do it, but actually it is easy to just start and just do it. Absolutely. I like that straight to the point. Just do it. <laughs> just give it a try. The, what, the worst that could happen is that it fails and then you go again. There's plenty more opportunities to make more money. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Philip. I really appreciate learning all about Famidly and yourself, most importantly, and the journey that you and your co-founder have been on. What a duo you two have. Look forward to following your the rest of your journey with Famidly this year and, and, and the years after that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Startup Stories. I hope you enjoyed hearing from our guests and learning more about their journey in the startup world. I'll be back soon with another exciting episode featuring a new guest. So make sure to subscribe 
to start up stories so you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to follow me on social media for updates and additional content. And if you have any suggestions for guests or topics you'd like to hear about, please reach out to me. And as always, I appreciate your support and feedback. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.